This is Movie Maker Interviews. I'm Eric Stoyer. Uh, today on the show, I talk with actors Michael Shannon and Jacob Alexander. They're two of the stars of the new movie, Echo Boomers. Echo Boomers is a heist movie about a gang of millennials. They're deep in student debt. They've had trouble getting work in a rough economy. And so they break into super rich people's houses and steal and fence expensive art. It is a pretty tidy premise. Uh, Jacob Alexander plays one of the guys uh, in the burglary crew. He's been in a few things, but this is one of the first movies where he's really prominently featured. And of course, Michael Shannon is someone uh, you've seen many, many times if you've watched movies in the past 15 years. It was, it was cool to talk to these two guys who are in different parts of their careers. Uh, we had a fun conversation, and I, and I hope you enjoy it. As always, hit me up, eric at moviemaker.com. Uh, send over ideas for guests we should have on the show, or just say hello. All right, here we go. What's the worldview of Echo Boomers? What, is, what does the movie want to say about the, the world we live in? I think it kind of goes over how there's definitely a disconnect in social class, depending on where you stand in that. And, and we kind of talked about that, Michael, you and I. Well, yeah, there's a whole, I guess, generation of uh, people that don't seem to be very well looked after by their elders. And uh, I don't know if that's such a new thing or not, but uh the younger people can perhaps take offense to that and start doing nefarious activities like they do in this movie. But yeah, I think the worldview of the film is pretty much aligned with the worldview as it, as it is in reality, which is that, uh, and I've said this before, there's, there seem to be two types of criminality in the world. There's criminality that gets you in trouble and there's criminality that makes you rich and, uh, and doesn't get you in trouble. And uh, uh, this generation is, has been taken advantage of and neglected by uh, people that have their own self-interest at heart more than the future of civilization. And um, so they should expect to experience some discomfort from time to time uh, from the, their, their victims' anger. I know the movie was shot before the pandemic, but uh, now, that we're, now that we're living with COVID, um, have you thought much about how the pandemic will exacerbate the, the problems that you're pointing to in this movie? Yeah, I mean, uh, it would be interesting to, like, make a sequel to this, but during COVID, I wonder if um, you could still do something like this. I guess you could. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of free time, a lot of time on people's hands. And you are wearing masks, right? Exactly, so you can get away with it. But, but um, yeah, COVID, I mean, COVID has exacerbated and highlighted uh, the inequities of the world a uh, hundred times over. The movie takes place in Chicago. Was it, was it shot in Chicago? We, we, we shot in Chicago for uh, a few days. That was towards the end of the shoot, but it was, it was uh, mostly shot in Utah and Salt Lake City. 
and uh, we were there for about four weeks and then we were in Los Angeles for a week to shoot up a, a few other things there as well. Um, so it was Utah for, for most of the shoot. Salt Lake City's got a, they're getting more production, I think. They've got a good break there or something. I don't know. It's because obviously with these movies, uh, you have to make every nickel count because nobody's throwing heaps of bags of money at us to make these edgy little movies. Right. They're pulling in a lot of productions while we were there from what we were here yeah. through the grapevine. With all the different ways that people can distribute films that they make now, is it um, or how has has making smaller and independent movies changed uh, in the last couple of years? I just think independent films like at, at this at this scale are in a way harder to make. Um, it's harder to bring in the money to make these films, and I don't know, Mike, you made a good point where these hundred million dollar movies seem like they are so quick to get done when films like this kind of get left in the dust. Also, yeah, the, the, the kind of uh, the overwhelming amount of content on uh, streaming outlets and the 5,000 television channels we seem to have nowadays. Between those and um, the big tentpole franchise studio movies, um, it's a, it's a pretty narrow ravine for these uh, for these films. You really, I think it's always the same as it has been, though, or it's the same as it's always been. Makes more sense. Um, you you just have to really want to do it because it's not going to be easy. You're not going to make any money. I mean, Seth, who directed this movie, probably didn't make a dime doing it, and it took a year, year and a half of his life. I mean, it's literally like. It's like a crusade, you know, but um, they seem to keep getting made. You know, I was very excited. My friend Ramin Barani just got two of his films in the Criterion collection, Man Push Cart and Chop Shop. And I know that those films were incredibly difficult for him to make and he didn't make any money on them. He probably lost money making them. And I'm very, I'm very proud that uh, Criterion took those two films in their collection. But that's, you know, that's years and years after the fact. It's not something people hear about that much that with smaller movies, the people behind them may very well take a loss on, on making them. Uh, so, you know, you got to do some of this work for the love and, uh, and because it's fun. <laughs> uh, was this a fun movie to make? I had a blast shooting this film. Um, I, I, I had a, my, my, my gut reaction from the beginning when I read the script was it was going to be that and it turned out to be exactly that. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was a great time. Breaking things was great. My opportunity to work with Michael was, was amazing. So it was a very positive experience for me. Yeah, it was, it was a quick one for me. I mean, I was just kind of in and out, but, uh, yeah, you know, it was a it was a interesting character. I I was just happy to uh, I, I was happy to be involved because uh, I thought the story was timely uh, uh, and important. Sometimes, you know, when people ask, "It was it fun? Did you have fun?" I was like, "Well, it 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 is work, and it's it can be difficult, and you know." 
standing in a warehouse in Salt Lake City for 11 hours you know, on a hot day isn't like, that's not fun. But, but, but the stories, but it's important to tell these stories. And, it's, and, I, and I got a lot out of watching the younger actors I was working with do their work and, and watching them grow and make discoveries. And that's, that's satisfying. I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, fun. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's hard. And it's particularly hard on the, uh, on the directors. Cause a lot of times they have to, they get put in situations where they, they don't have enough time or money to get everything that they thought they needed. So they have to make tough decisions on the, on the fly about, well, do I do this or that? You know, can, what, what can I live without? And um, so it's it's really the result of a tremendous passion and, and perseverance that um, that Seth or any of these young directors get get something uh, finished. Well, Jacob, your uh, your character got to go into rich people's houses and just break a bunch of stuff and destroy destroy everything. So that that must have been kind of fun. <laughs> oh, it was fun for us. Like I said, it was fun for the actors. It was a crew that had to pay for it. <laughs> like we'd smash and there was feathers everywhere It'd take like an hour an hour and a half for them to clean up and put things back together and then we'd do it and you know our, our takes would take like 10-15 seconds you know? and then it would take them like about an hour an hour and a half just to put everything together and Michael you got to play an intense jerk so that must have been kind of fun I don't have to play an intense jerk I am an intense jerk 24-7 <laughs> man all the time every second <laughs> well then uh, so you must have had a blast. Yeah. No, it was like it was like coming home. It was like a reunion with myself. <laughs> right on. Uh, Jacob, you're a you're a younger dude. Uh, do you feel a lot of empathy for these characters? They're obviously not blameless. They're not blameless, no. And it's not something that I haven't experienced myself with my friends that I've you know that until this day are still kind of like fishing for a job. I mean. The, the the current state that we're all in hasn't made it any easier. So uh, it, it was it was very familiar for me to kind of be understanding and empathetic to what was going on with everyone in this story. Yeah, I think we should clarify that we don't condone the behavior or think that it's the the solution to anybody's problems. We just understand the uh, the impulse and the frustration of these people is. Hard. It's hard not to understand. Uh, have you been able to see the movie with an audience, or is it uh, is the timing of it not made that possible? I haven't. I have not seen it with another person. No. Yeah, I, I watched it um, uh, a while back uh, before the final edit was was um, kind of locked in. Um, and a lot of my friends and family have been watching it. My family, for the most part. You know, they've been watching it together, uh, but a lot of people are watching it solo and it seems to be uh, kind of like heavier on the streaming side, um, which was expected. I mean, it's a shame because there's a theater in Chicago that was doing like a drive-in theater type premiere deal. Did you go to that? I didn't go to that. No, that was on Tuesday. And I think it's still actually playing at, the, at that drive-in. Um you should go check it out. I should, yeah. It's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, buy a ticket, man. Yeah. Take, take, a date, take a date or something. 
freaking impressive. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, that's me up there. Well, what do you know about that? Wow. <laughs> When we were talking earlier, you mentioned that there's, there's actually a lot of movie making happening in Salt Lake City and that you both have connections to Chicago where there's lots of movies that are made also, obviously. Do, do, you, do you feel like we're in an era and moving in a direction where there'll be more and more and more locations that uh, people make movies and that, and that small industries can actually kind of crop up around them in, in places that are uh, not the typical areas? Oh, yeah. Well, also with uh, the technological advances. I mean, if you look at like what Sean Bank, Sean Baker was doing, is doing, you know, I mean, you can be anywhere and have the equipment, even, you know, just your phone or whatever. Um, I mean, I hardly ever shoot anything in L.A., I hardly ever even go to L.A., which is weird because everyone assumes if you're in this business, you you live in L.A. and you work in L.A., you're always in L.A. But uh, I'm hardly, yeah, there maybe four or five days a year. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, but it's been happening all over the place for a while. I mean, uh, it's really about where the tax breaks are. It's it's so super simple. The Places that people want to set up production are where they can get the biggest tax breaks. I saw it with New Orleans, like I was going to New Orleans all the time because Louisiana had this great tax break and Shreveport and all that. And then that Bobby Jindal governor came in and uh, he took the break away and they, the industry just vanished. And it was hard because there were people that had moved there thinking, well, this is a good place for production. I'll be working all the time. And then they took the breakaway and they, they were sitting around with their twiddling their thumbs, you know? So it's, it's super, it's all about money always. Chicago has been back and forth on that for a while now. I mean, they've brought some stuff here. They've taken some stuff back. And now I feel like they're kind of bringing things back here again. And they should be shooting more things in Chicago. It's a great city to shoot it. I mean, it's just, I mean, you have everything you need here. Yeah, and it's there's. I feel like there's so much just uh, inherent uh, architectural uh, beauty, and uh, but I don't know. They, when it comes down to it, they're like, "Oh, we can make anywhere in Chicago. We we just want to go where it's cheap." And and sometimes when you're in Salt Lake City, and and you're like, "Man, I wish this felt a little more like Chicago," but. Is just not really much you can do about it. All right. My last question is, uh, do you have a favorite crime movie? Mine is uh, Maltese Falcon. I have to go with that. I love that movie. Uh, King of Comedy. Yeah. What's yours, Eric? Echo Boomers? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a, it's a tie between Echo Boomers and, and Goodfellas. Oh, Goodfellas, yeah. Ah, great choice. Yeah. Ray Liotta. I worked with him once. No, oh, he's, he's pretty great. You know, it's a great uh, Ray Liotta crime film before we go is uh, Narc with Jason Patrick. I love that. That's another great one. Oh, yeah. Mm, you know, I haven't seen that one. That's a, oh, you got to watch it, Eric. You got to watch it. Jason Patrick. Yeah. Jason Patrick, that guy's solid, man. Solid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, guys, thanks for hanging out. I enjoyed talking, and uh, people should go see Echo Boomers to see Jacob Alexander break stuff and Michael Shannon be an intense jerk. All right, thanks to you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. Now, those guys were fun to talk to, and I enjoyed that. Uh, hey, thanks for listening to Movie Maker Interviews, our little podcast. Uh, check us out at moviemaker.com, where we post stories every day about movies and movie making and movie makers. And Movie Maker, of course, is a print magazine as well, and it has been for years, and it is terrific. And if you are at all interested in the art of movie making, you should be a subscriber. Uh, you can follow us on the socials at, at moviemakermag is the handle. And of course, subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I know you know what I'm going to say because every podcast says this, but it is very helpful. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, least a star rating, stars on the higher side of the star rating spectrum, of course. Um, we appreciate that. We will be back soon with another episode of Movie Maker Interviews, and we hope you will be there to join us. Until then, take care of yourselves. <laughs>